0: Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast. Have a drink, sit down, listen to some good stuff, aka us talk about fantasy football. If you haven't heard us before, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. And whatever you listen to us on right now, make sure you like and subscribe. Give us 5 stars. If you're not going to give us 5 stars, don't even do it. Don't waste your time. My name is Trey Jose, a.k.a. Stinky Fingers, a.k.a. Victory Lap. I'm joined here today by Tyler Big Erby Erbach. How you doing, man?
1: (laughs) I'm good, man. How we doing?
0: Ah, dude, you know, I'm doing pretty decent. Had to change up the intro a little bit. Either way, (laughs) you get what you get. Don't throw a fit. So, yeah, in this episode, we're talking about week 10. We're going to do the early games. We're doing starter sits. And we're going to cover the early games on this one our next episode which comes out tomorrow if you're listening right now aka friday is going to be about the late games which would be you know sunday afternoon, sunday night, monday night football, but right now we're talking about the sunday morning games. And let's just dive into it. A few teams we're not going to talk about, our teams on bye weeks. We got four teams on bye this week. It's going to be the Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, New York Jets, and the New England Patriots. So I would say a somewhat small mix of players that you're going to have to find replacements for this week, which is a good reason to listen to this episode and our next episode covering the late games. Because if you got Lamar Jackson, Joe Mixon, uh, Jamar Chase, who else would we talk about here? Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson. You got to find replacements for those guys. So if you listen to us talking about these games, you might find some good guys for it. So Unless I miss anything, let's just dive into these games, right? Yeah, let's get it. All right, let's do it. First one, starting off. Thursday night football. Got the Atlanta Falcons playing in Carolina against the Panthers. The Falcons are three-point favorites. The over-under is 44 points. That seems a little low for me. Not the over-under, but the, the spread for three points. The Panthers are kind of struggling right now. Got a new head coach, obviously, and... They're rolling with P.J. Walker, but we'll see what happens. They did throw in Baker Mayfield for the second half of last week's game. Do you like P.J. Walker? I
1: mean, he's good in a pinch. I mean, the long term and the rest of the season is not a good look for him. We saw that last week. They, there's going to be times where he's going to look atrocious, like he shouldn't even be in the NFL. I mean, and that's why there's reason he got benched. You know, he was three of nine for nine yards or whatever it was with an interception. Like, it was really, really bad.
0: Yeah, definitely bad. There's a lot of things that go into that mix, you know, having a new head coach and things like that, but really no excuses at that point for only having nine yards on ten attempts. That's pretty damn bad. Three-yard average. Let's go. Hell yeah. But before we talk about the Carolina Panthers in, uh, you know, deeper detail, let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Not much is going on through the air, but on the ground, they've been pretty successful. And Cordell Patterson returned last week after being on IR, and he had decent protection on the ground, but he also did score two touchdowns, so that easily put him in the top 10, finishing as running back seven. And even though he had a, a good amount of work, Tyler Algier also had a good day. He had over 100 yards, and he finished as running back 14. And it looks like you know it was pretty even as far as snaps and touches go. What are we looking for this week? Do you think Cordero takes a little bit more majority or is it more 50-50? I'm
1: thinking it's going to be 50-50. I think that when Patterson was out, Algier showed that he what he could do and he kind of earned those extra snaps. So I think you're going to see a 50-50 thing with them going forward um, probably the rest of the season. Good news is that in this matchup, the Panthers are the third worst defense against running backs right now, giving up over 25 points a game. So there are there is room for both of them to have good games this week.
0: Oh, I like that. I like to see Tyler Algier get more work, a.k.a. Tyler's Algier. You've liked him. Yeah, you've liked him for a while. And he, he has been pretty good. Is he averaging like, over, like, five yards a carry? It seems like he he seems to be getting a good amount of yards per carry every week. So, yeah, he, he seems nice. I'll be honest. I don't watch much Falcons games, but when I do get the chance, I do, because I like Marcus Mariota, but they refuse to throw <laughs> the goddamn ball. So,
1: well. You have to be able to. You have to actually be able to throw the ball. So, there's that. Um, Algea is ad- averaging four and a half. Fuck off.
0: Yeah, four and a <laughs> half yards a carry though. Rookie yeah. year, he he's being it's slept fallen. on. I saw a top, I saw a top ten rookie list, uh, just in general covering the NFL this year, and he didn't even make it. It's like uh he, he maybe should be top ten. There's a
1: lot of really good d- defensive rookies out there right now, though. Um, I mean the, honestly, this this whole draft class outside the quarterback posi- position. Has been pretty damn solid so far. So um, the league's looking up.
0: It's definitely looking up, but running back committees continue. So start them both. Yeah, I'm all about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, absolutely. I think that they're both, you know, easily, um, you know, RB2 or or a flex play.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's really no one else we're talking about on this offense because like I kind of just touched on, they're not passing the ball very well. You know, Kyle Pitts doesn't really exist. It's just nothing's really happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Pitts, you hopefully you, you might have a better option to go for. Um, Obviously, it's tough because you probably drafted him rather early in your draft. And so it's hard to give up on somebody that you put that much investment into. But unless you have a def- decent streamer, um, Pitts at this point shouldn't really shouldn't be be started.
0: Yeah, definitely. And unless you're really struggling at quarterback, Marcus Mariota might not be worthy of starting. It really depends on if he gets a rushing touchdown. So, yeah. Let's talk about the Panthers side of the ball, though. We touched on it earlier, so we'll kind of quickly gloss over it. P.J. Walker was struggling in the first half. Baker Mayfield um, came in the second half and is expected to start again this week. I thought I saw it different, though. Didn't the new head coach say that P.J. Walker was a starter?
1: Yeah, no, I said PJ Walker is a starter.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Was cool.
1: benched in favor of Bacon for Hill, but is expected to get the start again this
0: week. Oh, As in okay. PJ Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I suck at reading, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. He's expected to start again. So, what are we going to expect from, you know, DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, really anybody in this receiving game? <sighs> I mean,. Depends on
1: what P.J. Walker does, right? That's what it's all going to hinge on, because obviously the second uh, P.J. Walker had a bad day, which and obviously that's going to go, I mean, it's really rare that you're going to have a quarterback have that bad of a day again. The one bright side is that uh, Carolina did play Atlanta just a couple of weeks ago, and that's when D.J. Moore went absolutely crazy. He had 152 yards and a touchdown. Um, he, kinda, he may or may not have lost in that game because of the uh, excessive celebration after scoring the touchdown. But neither here or there he had a great fancy day. Um, so you're hoping PJ Walker can keep it going. Um, I think you can still throw DJ more into your, you know, wide receiver two or flex position, hoping that he, you know, bounces back from this slow game after a couple of really, really good games. Um, Terrace Marshall, though, I mean, I know he's had a couple of decent decent days um in the last couple of weeks, but man, I don't I just I don't know how much I can rely on that.
0: Yeah, I'm mostly with you. I I think I would fade them both this week. You know, PJ Walker did have that good game, but his only, uh, in the two games that he did start and play the full games, you know, he has about 450 yards. His first game was 170. The second one was 317. It's If you're starting someone on offense where they're not really getting over 200 yards per game, which he might not likely again, you're really risking it. Kind of reminds me of playing someone on the Titans receiving game. You know, they're they're just not successful passing the ball right now.
1: Yeah, but I mean DJ DJ and PJ have this connection that um we saw from last year as well when or two years ago last time PJ Walker was playing. We saw that from them then too. So there's something there between them. They they, you know, have just know how to play with each other. And so I still see DJ Moore as a guy you can throw into your flex, which you probably can be based off of where you drafted him and off of how poorly he played at the beginning of the season. You probably you could have picked him up off of waivers, you know, after he was dropped. Now he's playing well, so he could be in your flex position with a guy that has a super high upside side and ton of, of ceiling. So, um, you know, it's a high-risk, high-reward type of play, but it's the type of play that could also win you your week.
0: Yeah, that's pretty convincing, so that can be with that. Even last week when they were struggling, you know, he still had six targets dj Moore. so yeah i'm with you with that yeah definitely high risk high reward so let's talk about the running backs real quick Chuba hubbard he practiced limited on monday and tuesday and it's a pretty good sign that he is going to play on thursday night if he's back can you confidently play him or deontay foreman or both
1: um i'd be i would rather play foreman um because Chubas coming off of the injury, they might have him on a bit of a uh you know a pitch count here where he's just not going to get as many touches as we saw um, a couple weeks ago when you know they first straight away Christian McCaffrey. So I would lean towards Foreman um right now and I think you can absolutely play Foreman though. I mean, you're playing against the Falcons who are really just bad on defense in general. Um so you know there's points to be had against them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. And before Christian McCaffrey left the team, obviously these guys were both behind him and just trying to figure things out. And, you know, Chuba Hubbard, he had a decent amount of snaps in, against Tampa Bay a few weeks ago. He got injured. So, yeah, you definitely got to ease him back into the lineup. It's Definitely Deontay Foreman for me also. I think that pretty much wraps up the Panthers, though. Let's talk about the Seahawks. Playing in Germany. They're technically the away team, even though they both are. They're playing in Germany against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are two and a half point favorites. The over under is 44.5. I'll just say real quick Seahawks are going to win that game, take that money line. But <laughs> Geno Smith, we keep talking about her every week. Still having pretty good games. He had another really good game, finished finish as quarterback five. How do we feel about him going into Joymany? And playing against this Buccaneers defense,
1: it's going to be a tough matchup, man. I mean, we know that the the Buccaneers defense is strong, Um and they're they're strong across the board. They're especially strong against the running game, and that's going to be the wor- the worry part because if they can shut down the run game and Kenneth Walker can't get it going, you take away that the play action and like the bootlegs that the, the Seahawks have been running a bunch of with Geno. And now you're, reliant, you're forcing Gino to have to basically go out there and win the game for you instead of being a part of the game plan and um, where he makes the right read just over and over and over again. And I don't know if he's that quarterback that can go out there and win you a game on his own. Um, so it's a little worrisome. I mean, at this point, he's still being started in less than 50% of leagues. So you probably have other options if you want to. Um, and I think I would lean another direction this week.
0: Ooh, I mostly agree with you. but I think I would still start him. He's he seen pretty good in the pocket, you know. Obviously, they are relying on the run and everything, like you said. But his pocket presence is extremely high this year. He seems to know when to tuck it and move, tuck it and run. So yeah, I, I'm with Gino this week. Could be top twelve again. Okay, I mean,
1: I w- I would love to see you know. Obviously, as a Seahawks fan, I would just say that I mean, the Seahawks haven't played any like. Really, really great defenses this season except against San Francisco. And that day, Gino went twenty of twenty-four of thirty, but only 197 yards at interception, only scoring seven points.
0: Ah, good counter. Fuck off with it. Don't want to <laughs> hear it. <laughs> that is that is a good counter though, yeah. But it is in Germany when teams go overseas, things do, do get kinda weird. Yeah,
1: things so. could yeah, it could be completely different. I mean, who knows what's gonna
0: happen over there. Let's talk about Noah Fant. Oh, God. Why is he on this? Yeah, so he's... (laughs) (laughs) Just read it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so uh, he's been struggling this season, as we all expected, but he did take advantage of a good matchup last week, and he finishes tight end six. He gets another pretty good matchup against the Buccaneers, who have not been phenomenal against tight ends. Do you think he replicates it? You just said Gino was going to struggle, so... Yeah, so I don't think he is. I mean, granted, like I said, the matchup is
1: there. It's the only spot on the uh, Tampa defense that is kind of weak. For whatever reason, they give up 11.5 points a game to the tight end position, which, I mean, if he can get double digits, you're pretty much guaranteed a top 10 finish in the tight end landscape right now. So, I mean, I don't think it's impossible. I think he's actually kind of a sneaky sleeper this week and a a decent streaming option um, if you don't have any other people to go with. But... You know, I, you're. that's not a guy you're going to throw, like, all your, your Easter
0: eggs on, you know? Easter eggs? It's November. Snow's on the ground. Hasn't been above 32 degrees for two damn weeks up here in the Northwest. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the spring already, okay? <laughs> yeah, so am I. I'm sick of this below 32 weather. But anyways, um, Kenny Walker, obviously, must start. And the receivers, even though you think Chino's going to struggle. You're starting them right, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to. I mean, the way that they're playing, the chances of you having somebody that's a better option, um you know, I I would doubt it. If you, for whatever reason, you think that there's someone has a better matchup out there, um you know, give, give us a you know hit up, hit us up on Twitter and ask us, you know, G, you know Tyler Lockett versus whoever you're, you're thinking, um and and you know we'll we'll answer those for you. But it's it's going to be be tough. I think this is going to be Uh, a low-scoring affair, personally.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that happening, especially the overseas games. They can get kind of weird, but they also end up being high-scoring sometimes. You know?
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard. hard. Who knows how things are going to travel. You know, they have a 10-hour flight. They're going through, I don't know, like six or seven time zones or some crap like that once you get over there. So there's a huge body clock adjustment. Um, Well, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's hard to say. You never know what could happen in, in these type of games.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to see how it goes because the game's probably going to be at 6 in the morning or some shit. It's so.
1: at 6.30 <laughs> in the morning our time, yes.
0: <clears throat> yeah, on a Sunday, sorry. Not going to be there. But let's talk about the Bucks. Their offense has been looking like absolute garbage all season. Leonard Fournette has eked out some good games, but it's really the only bright spot I would bring up. But now they get a decent matchup, at least on paper and it looks like they might be able to take advantage of this defense that's been playing good football the last few weeks but was very, very leaky pretty much all season before that. So, you know, when it comes to Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, who's in, who's out?
1: Yeah, this is tough because, I mean, the Seahawks are, have been on a four-game win streak, and in that time frame, the, they've actually had the best defense um, in the league. They've only, they're only giving up like 287 yards a game. Um so they're playing really, really good football right now. It's hard to say um, with any kind of confidence on who to go with. Uh, we talked about Chris Godwin quite a bit, actually, on the waiver wire episode based off of like when we did our cuff carry carry cut. Uh, so if you you know want to hear our opinions on Chris Godwin, go back there. But basically, we've said that he's getting a ton of looks and a ton of targets, but he's not getting any production out of those. So that's worrisome. I think right now I you can still start Leonard Fournette and Mike Evans. Um, but I'm going to fade Tom and Chris.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you. and I'm not even really confident in Mike Evans, but he still is definitely Tom's number one guy. But until Tom starts getting more yards and more touchdowns, you really can't trust Chris Godwin. So, yeah, yeah. I'm rolling with Leonard and, oh, Mike Evie. That's for show. Sure. Let's move on to the next game here, though. We got the Denver Broncos in Tennessee playing the Titans. The Titans are 3 point favorites. The over/unders 39 points. What do you do with this Broncos offense? Speaking of another, you know, high powered offense that's struggling. Yeah. Or supposedly high powered, you know. The, the backfield in Denver it has been split pretty evenly and it looks like it's going to be three guys now and with the horrible play from Russell Wilson is, you know, falling down on the receivers and the tight ends. So it's like impossible to predict who to put in your lineups at this point. I mean, just because of the running back landscape, I think you do have to put Melvin Gordon in there, in there. You got to put Latavius Murray in there. And, you know, Mike Boone's on IR now. So. Well, they brought in Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Chase Chase Edmonds. Edmonds. Yeah. I was going to say, why did I completely forget about that guy? (laughs) So God, it just muddies everything up. We can't have anything in the fantasy world. It's so frustrating.
1: Yeah. Um, Honestly, uh, I'm going, I'm definitely not putting Melvin Ingram or Latavia, Melvin Melvin Gordon, Melvin Ingram, Melvin Gordon or Latavius Murray in my lineups this week. Um, It's just, I don't know how it's going to work out between them. Um, With the addition of Chase Edmonds, how many touches they're all going to get. Plus the Titans, um, even though their defense isn't great, they're really good against the run. They only give up 16 points a game to to running backs, it's the third best mark in the league. So those are not guys that I'm expecting to, to have good games. So I'm looking elsewhere um, for, for running backs anyways. In terms of the wide receiver position, I mean, that's super dicey. It seems like, at least recently, Jerry Judy is starting to kind of move up and be more in Russell Wilson's favor than Cortland Sutton is right now. He's getting more work the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, who knows what could happen there. Judy, I think, is the one, if I'm going to start anybody that's out of, you know, the four or five guys we're talking about here, Judy's the one I'm actually going to have I'd throw in there with the most amount of confidence in.
0: Yeah, I'd say I'm with you on that one. I mean, someone's got to do something, and if it's anybody, I'd put my money on Jerry Judy. So, yeah. Besides that, Broncos offense sucks. Fuck them. Let's talk <laughs> about the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> uh- So, on the Titans side of the ball, you know, Ryan Tannehill was able to practice limited on Wednesday. The status for him this Sunday is still up in the air, though. Even if he is starting, you're not starting him. We talked about it a little bit earlier. He's not passing for more than 200 yards a game. Their receiving game just doesn't really exist. They are getting reinforcements, though. Yeah, yeah, they are. Are you talking about Traylon Burks being back, coming off yep. IR? Yep. Yeah, I mean, reinforcements in a way, kind of like Canada and World War II, you know, everyone's sending 500,000 <laughs> guys, and they sent 30,000. So no offense to Canada, but it's like, yeah, you showed up, but we need a little bit more from you. So <laughs> I think they need more than Traylon Burks, if you kind of get my metaphor.
1: Yeah. No, I, I got you. I mean, honestly, you're. I mean, Derek Henry's the only guy you're starting. The only reason we bring up Tannehill and Burks is because they're coming. their the injury status. Um, I said it on the waiver wire episode. I mean, it's weird to say, but like this team does need Ryan Tannehill back in there. Malik Willis is just he looks overwhelmed right now um, out there. So they need Tannehill back. This guy who's not out there, you know, winning you any games, but he's not out there losing you any games really either. He's playing safe football, I would say.
0: Yeah, so so in this game, pretty much fade everybody besides Derrick Henry, obviously, and maybe throw a dart at Jerry Judy. It's a pretty bad fantasy game. And the is 39 points. So <laughs> Yeah, they're not exactly expecting
1: this to be a barn burner.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Vegas is usually right, so yeah, I'm, I'm with that. Let's move on to the next game here. We got the Vikings going to Buffalo, taking on the Bills. The Bills are six-point favorites. The is 46 points. This would be a real test for the Vikings. They're 7-1, and one, so they can really prove themselves in this game. But on the Buffalo side of the ball, before we get to the Vikings... Oh, wait, no. I did the opposite. Either way, we're talking about the Vikings right now. <laughs> Buffalo's <Yeah. laughs> coming. Okay, on the Vikings side of the ball. Dalvin Cook's obviously a starter. Do you think he will finish... Pretty well, though, like in the top twelve against the Bills. Traditionally, a very, very good run defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think that you know the, how hard this this Bills defense has been hard been against against the run, and really just in, on defense in general, that you'd have to fade Dalvin Cook. But the Bills have gotten eaten up the last couple weeks on the ground. Um, Aaron Jones went for over one hundred and forty. And then the Jets, um, their their runners last week combined for over 170 yards against them. That includes Zach Wilson getting some yards in there as well. But, I mean, that's two weeks in a row where they got pretty diced up on the ground. So, you have Dalvin Cook, who obviously we all know is a very, very talented runner. And if I'm Kevin O'Connell, I broke down those last two games heavily to to see what schemes and what running... um, you know plays and and you know and you know, whether it was zone or power or double teams whatever it was that was working and i'm calling most of that this week you know i'm i want to see what worked work best i'm going to copycat it because it is a copycat league and if two teams in a row can do it then you know they can too
0: oh yeah especially if it's dalvin cook uh you know no disrespect to aaron jones but you know dalvin cook is capable of putting up 200 yards and if Aaron Jones and the Jets backfield can do it, he definitely can do it also. So, yeah, I, I think he'll finish pretty good against the Bills also. Let's talk about yeah, the receivers I mean, here. Oh, sorry. Um,
1: I mean, I don't, I can't say he's going to for sure finish in the top 12, but it's not like he's going to give you like outside of RB2 production. I'd, I'd say that might be the lowest he, he possibly goes. Oh, yeah.
0: Either way, he's starting for you. There's no reason to not. Yeah. If you're benching him, play fantasy football with us next year, and uh, we'd love to have you in our league. (laughs) So we can just absolutely smash you. But on the receiving side of the ball, you know Adam Thielen dealing with an ankle injury. He's been practicing limited. Doesn't seem to be too serious, and he should be good to go this week. He's been mostly flex-worthy this year. Do you think that goes the same way against the Bills? Kirk Cousins, usually pretty consistent. But is Kurt or not Kurt, is Adam Thielen gonna be worthy of starting?
1: I mean, honestly, if you have to throw him in your lineup,
0: you're praying he scores a touchdown. I don't see
1: him having a great game. Um as much as we talked about, you know, them getting diced up on the ground the last couple of weeks, that has has been the case through the air. Um and if the ground games work and you're not gonna then go out and try to have Kirk Cousins throw against this defense at the run games, you know, moving. So I'm fading Thielen this week, um, and if you have to play him, yeah, again, hope to God he scores a touchdown.
0: And that, that's kind of the case; how it always has been with Adam Thielen. You know, you really just kind of hope he scores a touchdown. He's never really much of a yardage guy. He's very good at scoring touchdowns when he does get the work. So, yeah, I'm with you. If you throw him in, he better score a touchdown. So it's a definitely a dart throw at this point. But on the Buffalo side of the ball. Josh Allen, which might be one of the biggest injury news of the week, is nothing extremely serious, but he is listed as day to day with an elbow oh. injury that he, and maybe it is serious. I don't know. Either way, it's definitely big news. He has an elbow injury. He didn't even practice today, Wednesday. This comes out on Thursday. So he hasn't practiced this week. And if he doesn't play, Case Keenum is going to be the starter. Obviously, that changes absolutely everything about this offense. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't this near like it was one of the last plays of the game last week, right? Where he got this elbow injury.
1: Yeah, it was that he threw the ball one more time. They had one more play and the game was over. Um, so he's dealing with um, an injury to his UCL and his elbow, which is the ligament that they have to repair when pitch for pitchers when they get Tommy John surgery. So it could end up being a major, a major deal. The thing is that they don't know. Like some of it's a pain tolerance thing. Some of it is a wearing type of deal. Like pitchers tend to get it because it doesn't just like snap on you. It's more like a wear and tear like it over time. It starts to get really bad. Um, And this is something that Josh Allen has dealt with in the past. He missed four games with the exact same injury in his rookie season. So it's something that um, it's almost like the more you hurt it or the more usage you have on your arm, the worse it's going to get in terms of like even when you are healthy, like it's still kind of breaking down. So the fact that he's had this injury before, it can be a little worrisome that um, they're being pretty mum on how bad it is. They're supposed to have an update on it out today, but I had not seen it yet. So maybe they're waiting one more day because they're supposed to get, you know, a second or third opinion. Um, so who knows where, where it's going to be, but watch out, man, those injuries could be something that, that really end up hindering the bills full season, honestly. So, Um, I think all of Bill's nation is a little worried right now.
0: Yeah, you brought up some good points. I did not know that was the same injury from his rookie year. So let's just say he doesn't play. Does that really affect Stefan Diggs? I think it affects the rest of the team. I don't know if it affects Stefan Diggs as much, just because he has consistently seen so many targets in this offense for three years straight. He averages like 10 targets a game obviously with Josh Allen at quarterback, but
1: right. I mean, and I agree with you there. I think, um, I think you, you can still, you know, safely start stuff on Diggs. I think he'll probably still see some drop off in, in his usage or, or, you know, his production, but not enough to warrant, you know, downgrading him to, you know, a whole different, you know, wide receiver tier. He's still a wide receiver one. Everyone else though, I would be, be worried about. I would think Gabe Davis becomes a very fringe flex player. Obviously you're not starting in the running backs anyways. Um you I would think maybe a slight uptick for um for dawson Knox only because it's a backup quarterback situation we tend to see them rely on you know on the tight end but this is a different kind of backup quarterback this is case Keenum who has quite a bit of starting experience in the NFL um he was a you know I think he had two full years of starting between like the Rams and the Vikings at one point and in the biggest play in Vikings history at least for many people when they had the minneapolis miracle that was case keen that threw the ball to Stephon Diggs. so there's some rapport there as well that's why i think that that's the other reason why i think Stephon Diggs won't have much of a drop-off
0: ah man that feels like a lifetime ago but you're totally right it, it wasn't the rams and the vikings it was the vikings and then the next year he played for the broncos played the whole season got gotcha. you never though.
1: played you never stood up for the rams
0: he did suit up for the Rams ten games, but we're talking full seasons. He went for the oh, okay. Rams ten games okay. next year. Played for you know, Minnesota had that miracle happen, and then the year after that started all sixteen games for the Broncos.
1: Yeah, I mean the guy's been around. And he's like I said, he's had a ton of starting experience. So um, he's he's a good backup to have. I mean, obviously there's much worse uh, backups to have in this league. Um, so hopefully the Bills will still still do fine if you know. Josh Allen has missed a little bit of time.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he is pretty decent, but all this stuff we're talking about was like five, six years ago. Time flies when you're getting old. Yes, sir. Let's uh, move on to the next game here. (laughs) I was
1: reading on... They actually had more of an update on Josh Allen looking at Case Keenum's profile than they did on Josh Allen's own profile.
0: Oh, really? Well, fucking. Either way, K-Scanum, yeah, that's all you can really rely on. Stephon Diggs, maybe a little uptick in Dawson Knox. I'm totally with you on all that. Everybody else, you just got to fade that until you see what happens. And even then, you need multiple weeks of a sample size to really be about it. Let's move on to the next game, though. Detroit Lions playing in Chicago against the Bears. Going about two hours south to get down in Soldier Field. The Bears are three-point favorites. Over under is forty eight and a half points. Pretty high over under for a Lions Bears game. <laughs> well, I mean the Bears' offense has come alive the last few weeks, and
1: the Lions' offense, even though they've really kind of fallen off at the, be- the beginning of the season, they were lighting up the scoreboard. So there's plus both bad defenses. There's a chance this does become a shootout.
0: Yeah, this could be a fun game to watch, which is. God, I think I've ever said that about a lions Bears <laughs> game in my entire life. That's crazy. So <laughs> let's talk about the Lions real quick, though. Yeah, D'Andre Swift, typically injured, obviously uh, limited at practice this week with shoulder and ankle injuries. Head coach Dan Campbell, he did say that Swift hasn't suffered any setbacks after last week's game, and they're hoping to have him a little bit more involved this week, which means, you know, typically I would think, oh, Jamal Williams. Definitely got to lean on Jamal Williams. Well, he wasn't at practice on Wednesday, even though there has been no report he has an injury. Hopefully, it's a personal thing and not an injury, which that sounds bad to say now that I said that out loud. (laughs) Uh, But for your fantasy team, hopefully he's not injured because he has been very, very great in replacing for DeAndre Swift. Even when DeAndre Swift is starting, Jamal Williams is scoring points. So... I, you just got to keep an eye on that backfield and see what's going on. Cause it might be both of them this week. It might be, I assume maybe just.
1: It couldn't John be Deandre just with, I don't know what yeah. the, the whole Jamal Williams thing thing's weird. Um, he just was not at practice today. They, he's not on the injury report. They didn't say, say what's going on. They even listed it as like, I did not practice for personal reason. They just said he wasn't at practice. So, don't know what's going on there. Obviously, it's a little worrisome. Hopefully, everything is okay. Um, you know, whether it be an injury or in you know whatever's going on, if there is something going on that way, you know, in, in his personal life. So hopefully, there's everything is good to go there. Um, I think, I mean, if Jamal Williams not there, they're going to give DeAndre Swift full uses. They're not going to hold him back at all. Um, if Jamal Williams is there, he's good to go. I think you could still end up seeing them both get pretty even um snap share and and touches just because jamal williams has played so well um in the absence of deandre swift so i think they'd like to use them both to keep swift healthy as well you know less wear and tear on him since he is uh injury prone um it just it's it's hard to say it's hard to say i think at this point though you could if they're both in the lineup i think they're both you know flex plates at
0: worst oh yeah definitely and if jamal williams is out do you consider giving a look at craig reynolds they know do like no. him no
1: no i mean how do they really like him he's right now on the depth chart he's listed behind justin
0: jackson well oh, that's a lie uh, craig can't buy your car <laughs> but, and, anyways yeah so I, i'm with you but at the same time i would kind of look at him right, running back situations weird this year Jamal oh Williams no that's why craig craig
1: reynolds is on injury reserve. As of six hours
0: ago, uh, well, as of me just shutting the fuck up. Yeah, let me just move on from that then. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> six hours ago. People got to work, man. We can't see these things. I'm glad you saw that, though. So let's move on to the receiving game. Amin Ross St. Brown obviously came off of last season, having a great season, you know, a five game stretch where he was absolutely murdering it, maybe six games. Started this season off the exact same way. But this year, he's dealt with a little bit of injuries, and the offense is slowing down. He's only averaged 5.6 points per game in the last four games that he has played. Is it time to really think about whether or not to play him, depending on who he's playing on the matchup?
1: I mean, I hate to say it, but I think so. The way this offense has been running, and obviously, it should be said, there were a couple of those games in the last four where he did, he played a little bit, a little bit, and they pulled him back out because of the injury. So th- that should be noted as well. Um, but even then, over the, even the last two games where he played the full game, he's only had, uh, 18 points in those two games. So nine points a piece, not great production, not out of a guy that, you know, at one point you thought was a full blown wide receiver one. So I think right now, Amin Ross St. Brown, just because of the way this offense is running, um, he is really only a flex play. And so that means you are playing the matchups. Luckily, this week, they are playing Chicago um, at, you know, a poor defense. So you should be able to throw him in your lineup um, with relative confidence this week. But I think I'm going forward. I am playing the matchups.
0: Well, what with the fact that TJ Hawkinson is gone, he wasn't a huge factor in this offense. But now that he's gone, you know, they have a tight end starting now named Brock Wright. Who, I, who, who is that? I mean, they kind of throw the ball to somebody, right? I mean, Josh Reynolds hasn't seen a bunch of work. No one really has.
1: That's because his offense is all of a sudden. It's like they ran into a wall after the hot start to the season. And, you know, Hawkinson was not there last week either. And Amron still got his targets, sir. Sure. He still had nine targets, but only caught four of the balls for 55 yards.
0: Yeah, I I mostly agree with you. I would still flex him. I'm not really looking at the matchups too concerned though at this point, just because of the fact he gets so much usage. So Yeah, I am with you, and, but and that's I fair. I'm I just, still just gonna throw him in there.
1: Yeah. And like I said, this week you should shouldn't have any issues throwing him in there against Chicago. Um, but it's something I am gonna be a little more cognizant cognizant of going forward for the rest of the season.
0: I don't think cognizant is a word. Um, <laughs> what'd you say? Cogn- I mean, when I s- oh.
1: stumble over it, but. <laughs> cognizant? Co- cognizant. <laughs> Jesus. Let's just move on. Yeah, I'm I'm not an English yeah. major.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I'm to pull out the thesaurus the real quick and see what's going on here. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Enough of the Lions. Let's talk about the Bears side of the ball. Justin Fields, been tearing it up lately. Mostly thanks to his work on the ground, and right now he's quarterback seven on the season. If you saw that coming, you're a fucking liar so <laughs> how do you how do you see him performing this week against the lions i mean his running ability, the fact that they're like you know letting him or he's just doing it has really just completely expanded his fantasy profile
1: yo yeah i mean they they are using him a lot more in design qB runs. Um, and some of them are still scrambles, like his big play last week, the 78 yarder or whatever that was, um, that was a scramble that he did that on. So, um, he's showing both. It's kind of crazy. I mean, it's the, over the last five weeks for him and every game's gotten better. It went from 15 points to 18 to 20 to 26 to 42. I mean, obviously that, that's not going to continue to happen. I don't think he's gonna come out and have a 50 point game this week. Um, but at this point, the Lions defense is awful. Um. It's like the worst in the league in almost every statistical category. So Justin Fields should have another really good good fantasy day for you. Um, I would not be surprised if he finishes as, you know, as a QB one and probably close to the top five.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm totally with you. And to drive that point home, he hasn't thrown for over 200 yards besides one time this season. And that was the beginning of his good stretch when he had 15 points. It it just drives point the home. Or drives home the point that we always bring up on this podcast. If you have a quarterback who's serviceable, but very usable on the ground, they instantly become a starting quarterback. And that's exactly what's been happening. You know, in the last four games, we're talking 50 carries. I'm doing very quick math here. 400 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, that's something you want out of a goddamn running back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those are running back numbers for sure.
0: Yeah, so... He he's definitely worthy. He's creeping onto the scene. Did not see that coming. But speaking of running the ball for the Bears, you know Dave Montgomery took the backfield over again, like he should. He got twice the amount of carries uh, compared to Khalil Herbert. But with the Lions' defense being kind of shitty, does that make Khalil Herbert a worthwhile flex play? I think it would, though, because I'm not shooting on Khalil Herbert, but I do love David Montgomery. But every time Khalil Herbert does get the ball, he's kind of like the Tony Pollard on the Cowboys to the Bears offense. He he makes plays happen.
1: He does. And I mean, we saw that when Montgomery missed um, that game or two earlier in the year, Khalil Herbert really came in and showed that he can do it as a RB1 for a team as well. And, you know, carry that kind of workload. Um, So I think. I, it seemed like Herbert had earned those extra carries when Montgomery came back, and then last week it just got flipped on its head. Uh, I mean, Montgomery had 14 carries to Khalil Herbert's only seven. So going forward, I think you it might be it might change on a week to week basis. Right now, it's hard to say, but with the Lions' defense being so being so bad, I agree with you that Herbert is a a solid flex play this week.
0: Yeah, that's really relying on the fact that the the lions just suck. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, but you know, with the Bears' offense rolling lately, so has Darnell Mooney. Quote unquote. Um, he he's had some okay games. He's he's creeping into flex territory. That's for sure. Are you starting Darnell Mooney?
1: I mean, he in. Okay, let me go back a few w- here. In the last six games, he's put up four flex-worthy play uh, games in terms of getting, you know, basically a flex-worthy play should be, you know, at least over nine, but usually you want to make sure they hit at least double-digit points. And he's done that in four yeah. four or six games now. So once uh, Justin Fields started to get it going, so did Darnell Mooney. So there's something to be said for that. Um and I think he's probably going to have another flex worthy game again. I mean, we're basically telling you to start everyone in Chicago. It seems weird because this defense is so bad in, in Detroit, but it just happens to be the case. And I think you're going to see a lot of guys on this offense have a good game.
0: Well, starting everyone, you, you start Chase Claypool. Okay, I'm probably not starting Chase Claypool,
1: <laughs> but it is okay. interesting to see that in his first game in Chicago, he only played. 35% of the snaps, but got six targets anyways, which is basically the amount he was averaging in Pittsburgh. So there's something like they clearly they wanted him the rumor had it that they had been looking at Chase Claypool for really like a season and a half at this point. Um and they were trying to get him and it finally, you know, kind of came to fruition for them. So he only caught two of those balls for 13 yards, but getting that much usage and such a little amount of playing time he did get. It's interesting to see where that's going to go. I think he could become a flex-worthy play in a couple of weeks once he gets a little more acclimated to the offense.
0: Yeah, I'm with that. Definitely an interesting player to have on this offense right now. Uh, But yeah, you just got to sit on him and see what happens. Let's move on to the next game here. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars playing the Chiefs in Kansas City. The Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites. The over-under is fifty and a half. That's an interesting combination as far as a nine and a half point spread and fifty and a half point over under. But on the Jaguars side of the ball, Trevor Lawrence has been pretty solid. Um and he had a pretty solid game last week, finishing as a quarterback twelve. He gets a good matchup this week against the Chiefs, who've been pretty leaky. Do you think he'll finish top 12 again, AKA startable?
1: Yeah, I I think he will. I mean, he's, he's had those, those up and down moments this year. Um, I think at this point, we're just counting last year as a mulligan for him. And basically this is his rookie season because of just how bad the whole situation was down there. Um, And so he's, we've seen those up and downs, but the chiefs defense is not good. Um, At least they're not, yeah, they're, they're not good. They give up a ton of points kind of across the board. Um, quarterbacks are getting just under 20 points a game um, against them. So it's a leaky defense. They have a chance. The only concern is that you have Chris Jones in the middle and the Jaguars' offensive line isn't, you know, it's not great. They're not world beaters. They're they're decent. But if Chris Jones gets a lot of pressure up the middle, then you're going to see Trevor Lawrence probably get forced into making some some bad throws.
0: Well, speaking of him throwing the ball, Evan Ingram, secretly the tight end 12 on the season. Not really a secret, but, you know, it's it's pretty surprising. And he has a pretty solid target share. Are, is he worth streaming this week? You did bring up the fact that, you know, if if um, Chris Jones gets good pressure on Trevor Lawrence, he's going to have to make some bad throws. The first thought that comes to my mind is that he's going to have to scramble. And when you scramble, who are you looking for? You know, running backs, tight ends. Yeah, your check downs. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do you think about Evan Ingram this week? I know, dude. Honestly,
1: it killed me even writing that Evan Ingram could be a streamable option this week. Because Evan Ingram is like the bane of my tight end existence for fantasy football. um, For the last, you know, however, basically however long he's been in the league. um, Because he's just so frustrating that way. But. Oh God, yeah. I think you can stream him this week. I don't. I like feel like I need to go puke for just saying that Evan Ingram is streamable, but I think he is. <laughs> I mean, the they get the Chiefs give up a lot of points. Like I said, across the board, they, it's the, they're the seventh worst defense against tight ends, give, giving up twelve points a game. So, yeah, I think he's a streamable option this
0: week. <laughs> for someone who has been so hit or miss, we've talked about him so many times in the last, you know year and a half of this podcast or so yeah his name's been brought up so many times and we've said no so many times so it's surprising that it's finally a kind of (laughs) yes yeah he is dealing with a back injury but they said that he's gonna
1: be fine um so they didn't specifically say it as like back spasms but that should be something to to, you know watch as well because if it is something like a back spasm those are so easy to flare up um so i'd be a little worried that way as well but other than that, yes, you can you can flex Evan Ingram, or stream Evan Ingram. And I don't think I've really said it, but yes, I think Trevor Lawrence will finish as a QB one again this week. I'm a little worried about the Chris Jones situation, but I think he is good enough and is athletic enough to get around that and still finish as a QB one.
0: Oh yeah. I mean he's number eleven on the season total right now. So or uh number nine actually. So he, he's doing pretty good. And with Evan Ingram's back injury, hopefully it's not uh spinal like Mike Titan with a <laughs> let's talk about the Chiefs side of the ball though. I know I reached for that one. Yeah, but um it, it took a while for things to come to fruition for this fella, but it looks like you know Juju Smith has finally res- solidified himself as the number two receiving option behind Travis Kelsey because he's the obvious go in this offense when it comes to the ball or the receiving game, as far as Travis Kelsey goes. Do you feel comfortable using Juju on a weekly basis since he seems to be solidifying himself as the number two?
1: Yeah, honestly, I do. Um, I think that, I mean, the last three games alone, he's had the, his lowest point total is 13 points. He's had 13, 22, we'll call it rounded up, and then another twenty point game. Um and against some good defense. That was against Buffalo and San Francisco. So he's doing it against good defenses. That means his rapport with Patrick Mahomes has really grown. And I think at this point, Juju is a guy you can have in your in your lineup every week.
0: Ah, man. I want to believe you, but it's it's been such a rough climb for him at this point. But With his usage lately, I think you're right. You you can definitely start him. I mean, obviously, and let's
1: not forget that. Like at one point in Pittsburgh, he was a very very good receiver. He kind of you know he got hurt and then kind of fell out of favor in Pittsburgh. But I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he finished as the wide receiver 17 on the season, and a couple years before that, he finished as the wide receiver eight. So he's put up a couple of really good games or really good seasons. And he's clearly a talented guy. He's still only 25. Like, he's still really young. So, he's going to get continue to get better. And I think matching him with Patrick Mahomes and a play caller like Andy Reid, he's starting to figure out, you know, those areas to kind of dominate in. And I think he's going to continue to do that going forward.
0: Yeah, I believe you. You know, all those old stats are from pre-COVID times, which is a just a completely different universe at this point. So. No, but I'm with you. He's the, when, a young guy. He's talented.
1: When he finished receiver 17, that was 2020. That was in the middle of
0: COVID. Don't bring it up to me, man. I got PTSD. <laughs> At COVID PTSD, but yeah, I'm with you. So yeah, I mean, is there anyone else in this Chiefs offense we want to talk about? I.
1: No, nah, I, really I
0: don't think. Do. Yeah, I mean,
1: pass. obviously the, the Kadarius-Tony thing is interesting to see how they'll work him in. I know he played a little bit last week, um, so that'll be interesting to see how that works out. But then, like, the running back situation is awful. Um, Jerry McKinnon is getting by far the most usage, at least the most snaps, but he's not doing anything with it. None of them really are right now. So right now, this offense is Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and then Juju.
0: Yep, yep, I totally agree. So let's move on to the next game then. The Browns going down to Miami to play the Dolphins. The Dolphins are three and a half point favorites. The over-under is 48 and a half points. Yeah, I said that weird. 48 and a half points. <laughs> and on the Brown side of the ball, David Njoku looks like he's coming back earlier than expected. Um. Oh, wait. Nope. No, I read that wrong. <laughs> yeah, he, he expected to be back by week 10, but he still hasn't even practiced this week. So they expect him to miss his second straight game. I believe we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. He he might miss four to six weeks because he has that like high ankle sprain. So yeah, he
1: thought he's gonna come back really quickly, but I mean he's only been out two weeks. Um obviously one was a buy, so he's not even close to being ready as from what the team is basically telling us.
0: Yeah, so I think it seems like they're shooting for the stars at this point. I would not rely on David Njoku. Obviously, his backup is Harrison Bryant. I'm not really that into Harrison Bryant at this point. So, who do you see stepping up in this passing game besides Amari Cooper?
1: Um, quite honestly, nobody. Um, no one did in w- back in week eight when when he in joke he missed his first game before the bye week. Um, Harrison Bryant, yeah, you know, he was a starter that week and didn't get a single target. So, I don't see that helping. Um, maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones, he had a decent game in week eight, but he still only had four targets, just turned that into four catches in like 80 yards. So it kind of seems like it's just Amari Cooper. They use a little more of Cream Hunt out of the backfield, so maybe that happens some, but I'm not going to rely on Cream Hunt with how up and down he's been this year. So I don't think anyone really does. Um I think this becomes where they rely more on the run game. You see a lot more Nick Chubb, and then you still have Amari Cooper on the outside, you know, doing work.
0: Yep, exactly. Not much is really going to change there. So let's talk about the Dolphins side of the ball. We talked a lot about the running back situation on our waiver wire episode that came out on Tuesday morning, but you know, which running back are you going to go with this week? Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, both. I think we mostly settled on Jeff Wilson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think we we are all there. It's going to be a little interesting. Um I thought it be more 50-50, but Jeff Wilson came in and took the reins pretty pretty dramatically. So, but with that being said, this week they are playing a pretty awful defense against the run. Um the Browns are g- giving up almost 25 points a game to running back positions, the fourth worst uh, mark in the league. So, I think if you need to, you can play them both. Um I think you know they're both flex worthy. Jeff Wilson showing what he showed us last week is you know probably a, an RB two type of situation. But I think Moster will give you flex worthy um, production.
0: Yeah, I like Jeff Wilson. I don't know if I like Raheem Mostert, but you know the running back landscape it is tough. So if you yeah. have to start a running back in your flex and not a receiver, definitely not a bad option. I'm with that. And obviously, Tua, I mean, you're starting Tua, the receivers, must starts as far as Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Yeah. I mean, what about Mike Siki, though, dude? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean,
1: we thought that he might be a streamable guy last week because they were playing in Chicago. Well, guess what? Mike Gesicki turned back into a pumpkin. He got two targets, one catch, three yards. So... It was fun while it lasted with him and him in the touchdown doing the gritty, but it ain't happening and going forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I just love to bring him up, but yeah, I know that's your dude. That's your guy. Uh, Yeah. You know, you got Tyler's Algier and all these Tylers that you like. That's my (laughs) Giziki. Okay.
1: That's your (laughs) Giziki. I like
0: it. It is. So, yeah, let's move on to the next game then. Houston Texans going to New York to play the Giants. The Giants are six and a half point favorites. Over-under is 48. Or why do I keep fucking that up? The Giants are six and a half point favorites. The so over-under is 40 and a half points. And the big news on the Texans, at least last week, was that Brandon Cooks wasn't going to play after not being traded during the trade deadline. He is back with the team. He did not practice with a wrist injury, which seems kind of fluky now that I'm seeing this here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a little weird. Like, how did you injure your wrist? You didn't play. You didn't even practice. Like, you literally said, fuck this team, I'm out, and walked out the door and took a week off.
0: Yeah, it's a very sketchy situation. I would not be surprised if he doesn't play again this week. I mean, mean, how are we uh, approaching this situation right now? Do you think he comes back? Or is he just done
1: i think I think he's done, honestly, I think he's checked out on this team, even if he does play. I don't think he's gonna go out there and give it you know give him any type of good, consistent effort um I think he's just i think he's re- he was really upset that he wasn't traded. I mean everyone it made it sound like they were you know they were open to trading him, apparently, they got a lot of interest in him, but they didn't find an offer that they liked um I'm sure they're asking way too much for him, but I don't know, man. I just feel like he's checked out on this team.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, let's just say this is true, and he does check out. Who benefits from it? We got Nico Collins, Chris Moore. I mean, it's uh, I, that's a I total mean, dart throw. Cooks has been
1: playing all year and been getting decent usage but it has kind of dropped off the last few weeks. Um ultimately I don't think anyone really benefits from it because Davis Mills is not a very good quarterback and he's shown that this season. So it's hard to say that anybody really steps up right now. This is Damian Pierce's team. Um he's the only worthwhile player they really have on the offensive side at this point. And and it's like to say but uh, cuz we all like Brandon Cooks, you know. We he was uh, a guy that has been super consistent and had been productive where no matter where he was, uh, he was at, but uh, yeah. Um, I mean, he, you know, pr- production in new England, LA w- with the Rams or St. Louis the Rams w- with Houston. Like he was just always productive. So it kind of sucks, but, um, but yeah, it is what it is. Pause.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, you can't really expect someone else to step in on this because not much was really going on for him. Pardon me on the delay. Saw a spider, had to kill it. <laughs> <coughs> I was
1: so confused. I'm like sitting here watching you, like and you just like get up and like run away from the table. I'm, like where I, I just continued to talk. I like rambled on there on Brandon Cooks. I didn't even know what to say.
0: Yeah, that's my fault. But either way, you you said what needed to be said. This <laughs> spider needed to die because it was fucking huge (laughs) so yeah (laughs) uh on the giant side of the ball though honestly i don't know where that spider went hopefully it's dead but on the giant side of the ball (laughs) um squam barkley or die right nothing's changed yes yes (laughs) yep typical things so let's talk about the last game right of uh, our early game starters that episode. It's going to be the New Orleans Saints playing in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. The Saints are two and a half point favorites. The under is 40 and a half points. And it looks like New Orleans is going to stick with Andy Dalton at quarterback even though he did kind of shit the bed last week against the Ravens. Obviously Alave, uh, Chris Alave and Alvin Kamara, they are must starts. Very uh Very good starts there. Is there anyone else we're considering here? I mean, what about Taysom Hill? He has been working his way into the lineup, getting all these little trick plays, randomly scoring touchdowns. I personally have been playing Taysom Hill. And if you have him, you know, at tight end and you don't have a better tight end, I don't see why not.
1: I mean, obviously, it's a high upside type of play. But the thing is, like, outside of, like, that game against Seattle, he hasn't really done a whole lot. Um, He's getting some usage, but I mean, since that Seattle game, he's had four and a half points, 9.6, 7.7, 1.2, or 1.1. are the four games after that Seattle game. So I just, I don't know, man. I think he's super dependent on when they really decide to put him into the game plan. I don't know if that's going to happen on a weekly basis. He's a decent streaming option because he gives you that upside and the tight end position is, you know, atrocious in terms of who you can go with on a weekly basis. So I don't love Taysom Hill because I'd rather have somebody who might be a little more productive um, on a consistent basis. Like I'd rather have like Pat Fryermuth over Taysom Hill, which is guys that, you know, he's on a poor offense, which has been struggling a lot, but he's getting you a lot more consistent production than, than Hill will.
0: Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, you basically said it. Taysom Hill is a boomer bust guy. You just hope he scores some touchdowns on like the 10 plays that he participates in. So, yeah, definitely I would take fire over Hill. But yeah, you know, if you're struggling at tight end, you want know, that boomer bust option. He's he's a good option to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, like you said, he has a good like little package of plays he plays in. But even in that game against Seattle, when he had 33 points, he still only played 30 percent of the snaps. So ultimately, he's only getting somewhere between like 10 and 15 snaps a game.
0: Yeah, it's a struggle, but at the same time, he gets opportunistic snaps, you know, they bring him in in the red zone, things like that. So, yeah, that's the only reason I really say that. And on the Steelers side of the ball, I think it really comes as at least no surprise to me. Um, At this point, but we got decent news coming out of the, you know, their side of the ball that Najee Harris will start to see a reduced workload for the rest of the season, which means Jalen Warren will be getting more touches. Najee has been struggling even in his rookie year. He wasn't exactly explosive, but his amount of touches was just insane. He had the most touches of any running back last year. And this year, he's just been absolute dog shit. So what do we do with Najee Harris? I've been trying to trade him. No one <laughs> wants him. It's it's hard to when they have that just horrible slate of less than 10 point games consistently. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it
1: sucks. It's like Najee is a very good, talented guy. I kind of feel like he's being scapegoated here because their offensive line is so damn bad. Um, it's like they're it's like they're blaming Najee Harris. that He can't, you know, run behind a porous line like. He's getting hit in the backfield every play. He's he's averaging only two point one yards before contact on on his rushing attempts. It's one of the worst marks in the league. Um, one of the, like the only guy that like that's a major contributor that is a worst mark than that, but is being very good still at, at running the ball is Damian Pierce. He's getting one point nine yards of of con, before contact, um, which is really really bad. But he's still producing it because he's, you know, a very very good running back, obviously. But Najee Harris is like running behind such a terrible line, and now there's like, oh yeah, well Jalen Warren is doing better. Like I don't, I think it's easy to say Jalen Warren is doing better when you, you know, he's only getting a couple of carries a game. So I don't know how that's going to go, be going forward. Um, I think they're doing Najee Harris a disservice by basically blaming him for their, you know, offensive woes when it really comes down to poor drafting and poor development on their offensive line.
0: Yeah, that's a great point because. All right. Honestly, the way I approach this here is, yeah, he is a scapegoat. And if you have Najee Harris, if you had any faith in him moving forward, you're kind of fucked. Hopefully they do continue to give him the ball more. Doesn't seem like they're going to be doing it. And if you think Jalen Warren's going to come in and do any better with a higher workload, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because it's not worth, that's not the source of the problem. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm totally with you.
1: Um. So yeah, Warren, you can't play. I would say Najee is probably a flex candidate, but you can't rely on him being a year you in know, your RB one or RB two.
0: Which is wild because you know we saw him being taken you know at the end of the first round, early set. Oh, he was a solidified top round, you know, top ten pick for the entire draft
1: season. So um, it, he burned a lot of people. I have him in a couple of leagues, and it, it sucks.
0: Oh yeah, he burned the shit out of me in two leagues, which is cool. You know, maybe I'll let it slide. Probably not, though. I'll probably just hate him forever. So <laughs> let's uh, talk about the Steelers receivers, though. Now, who are you going to put in your lineup? We did talk about Pat Fryer. you do like him, obviously. I think he's a consistent yeah. tight end start. Uh, but what about Deontay Johnson, George Pickens?
1: Ah, uh, Man, I mean, Deontay has been just as disappointing as Najee has this year. He's wide receiver 38. Um, I think a lot of people were drafting him as their number two wide receiver, so he's not doing much. Obviously, George Pickens is a very talented guy, and him and and Pickett have a decent connection, but he's still going to be very up and down and very hit or miss. So, I mean, I don't think you can reliably start any of them. I'd still probably lean towards Deontay Johnson because he's getting more consistent work. But, I mean, it's it's really not great until... They get this offense moving. The one thing that I might say, if you want to be an optimist about it, they did just come out of the bye week. Maybe they figured some things out, you know, dialed, figured out this offense and how it would work better for Kenny Pickett to run it, you know, with some success. So hopefully they, you know, did that. But right now, I mean, you can't start any of them with any type of confidence.
0: Yeah, I'm with that. This whole offense has been very disappointing. I love Deontay Johnson this year. I love George Pitt, or George, George Pickens as things <laughs> you know started to progress with him. But I'm with you. You just got to avoid it. Things are struggling. Ah, God damn the Steelers! They're the reason I'm fucking up in a couple leagues right now. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least again, at least you have Fryar Muth. You know, the Muth is still there, putting up decent numbers even for a shitty tight end. You know, landscape. So. um you got Pat, and that's that's all you get.
0: Yeah, when he gets a pat on the back. Shout out to him for being the only fucking consistent one on this team. So, yeah, I think that pretty much rounds up our early game start or sits. Is there anything you're trying to bring up, Big Irby? Uh, no, no, I think that's it. I will get it out uh, tomorrow with the late games and
1: our starts of the week.
0: Yep, if you're listening to this right now, tomorrow we're going to do the late games, a.k.a. Sunday afternoons, Saturday night football, Monday night football. We will also give out our starts of the week, which, um cool little fact, I think Tyler is 100% on the season right now for running backs. So if you need a running back start of the week, definitely check that out. I missed one. I I
1: picked Jacobs to have another really good game after he had those two big ones, and uh and he burned me. Uh, but other than that, I'm, I'm you know, uh, so I'm what that's oh, all right, That's eight for nine. I'll take those odds. Not to mention, I did pick uh, Joe Mixon since my start week last week, and he had one of the best fancy days of all time. So I'll, I will think
0: uh, I think that eliminates the Josh Jacobs one. It does. Yeah, you've been hitting with running backs. We've all been a little bit across the board, but generally consistent. Um, So, yeah, check out this episode or that episode out tomorrow. If you're listening on Thursday and i'll just repeat myself from what i said earlier in the episode if you haven't by now follow us on twitter at the ff fathers you know if you have any questions about fantasy football things like that hit us up we love to interact about things like that and whatever you're listening to us on right now make sure you like and subscribe and if you're feeling a little frisky give us five stars and if you're not feeling frisky then just fuck off don't even rate us (laughs) but like and subscribe yeah so i think that rounds it up so we'll see you on friday for our late game starts of the week our late game starter sits and our starts of the week cheers